throws high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin! And this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So because of coronavirus, the door has been wide open the last couple of weeks on the show to basically talk about whatever. And we have talked about whatever. We've talked about baseball and basketball and the NFL. Sure, but we've also talked about a global pandemic. I don't know if we ever talked about Tiger King on this show. Probably. We've talked about the protests and what's currently going on in our country. We've talked about the president. Yesterday, we even talked about NASCAR, which I like. I never watch NASCAR. I watch the Daytona 500, and I'm a Denny Hamlin guy. That's as far as my NASCAR fandom goes. But yesterday, and we talked about this at the end of the show, NASCAR did something unexpected. But it was perfect. Perfect for 2020. Unexpected, but NASCAR really showed up. They banned Confederate flags at their events. And if you don't watch NASCAR, if you've never been to a NASCAR race or seen pictures, I guess you might have not even known. I really didn't know the extent of this issue until the last couple of days, you look at the infield of a NASCAR track where all the fans camp. It's like what country music festivals are in Wisconsin in the summertime. That's what the infield of a NASCAR race is like. Everybody's got their campers, got their coolers, and Confederate flags flying everywhere. Yesterday, NASCAR said no more. This is our statement. The presence of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events runs contrary to our environment and commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans, competitors and our industry bringing people together around a love for racing and the community that it creates is what makes our fans and sports special the display of the confederate flag will be prohibited from all nascar events and properties it's where we finished yesterday's show i want to start with it today this is the wisco sports show you're listening to wkty my name is grant bills we're going to talk about baseball we're going to talk about the draft which is actually going on right now Major League Baseball draft. Mostly, I want to talk about what the Brewers did last night in the first round. And to help out, we're going to talk to Adam McCalvey, uh, the beat reporter for the Brewers, Brewers.com and MLB.com. We're going to talk to him at 530. Uh, We're going to talk a lot of baseball today. We're also going to talk Packers, including one position group that we haven't really talked about. Uh, Jerry Gray, the new uh, defensive backs coach for the Packers, just met with the media about an hour ago, virtually met with the media. And I want to share with you a couple of things he had to say and a couple of thoughts I have on the secondary. I'm really excited for the Packers secondary. It's a group we haven't talked about much, so I want to get to that. But I want to start with NASCAR. NASCAR put out that statement yesterday. said, hey, we're we're done with Confederate flags. They're not welcome at our races. Do not display them. Do not fly them. I don't know how they plan to enforce this. But just putting out a statement, an official statement, was not something that I expected from NASCAR. And yesterday, I spent about 10 minutes reading replies to the tweet that NASCAR put out. So it was June 10th. They put the tweet out yesterday. It has 183,000 likes, about 30,000 retweets, and about 11,000 responses, which is a ton. So many replies. So I paged through them, and I saw all kinds of humanity and all kinds of opinions. I saved a couple interesting ones. Uh, One says this, and they allow the protests during the national anthem. To the son of a veteran, the father of a veteran, and a veteran, NASCAR has gone too far. That was one that I thought was interesting. Another one says, good luck with that. I'll be bringing mine to every race. Hashtag NASCAR. And then the final one I saved said, I've always watched NASCAR and grew up on racetracks. I have to take a stand here. Being politically correct is not always the best stand to take. 
Some of these choices are doing away with the history of our country from its roots just because someone complains. Really? Not everyone down with the removal of the Confederate flag. Now, based on these people's Twitter names and their pictures and their bios, most of them are from the South, from Tennessee. One, one's name is Tennessee Patriot. He's still bringing it. This is his bio. American, Southern, and most importantly, Christian, aspiring entrepreneur and defender of the truth. Tennessee Patriots. Good luck with that. I'm bringing mine anyways. Bringing it anyways. The most interesting part was a NASCAR driver in the truck series put out a statement. He said, I'm done. I'm done with NASCAR over this. This is what he said, and you have to bear with me because I, either this guy can't read and write fluidly or he just didn't take the time to proofread or he was hammered or uh, all of the above. This is what he said. Ray Cicerelli, I think is his name. This is his statement on Facebook of all places. Well, it's been a fun ride and dream come true, but if this is the direction NASCAR is headed, we will not participate after the 2020 season is over. I don't believe in kneeling during the anthem nor taking people's right to fly whatever flag they love. I, I had to change what he said there a little bit because what he wrote is makes no sense. I'm assuming that's what he said. He doesn't want to take people's rights away. I could not care less about the Confederate flag and that there are people that do and it doesn't make them a racist. All you're doing is catering to one group and I ain't spend the money we are to participate in any political BS. So everything is for sale. I have a headache after trying to read that. But yeah, one of the one of the racers is saying, I'm getting out. A recurring theme that I saw yesterday when NASCAR made this announcement. Well, first of all, I, we're focusing on the negative here. A lot of people are really happy, really proud, and, and think NASCAR is taking a step in the right direction. And I don't want to get into the history of the South and Confederate statues and generally Lee. I just I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into it. But I, I'm seeing this argument coming up that makes absolutely no sense. This idea that now sports in the year 2020 are getting too political and that music is getting too political and TV is getting too political. Television and movies and music and sports, these used to be our escapes. And in recent years, they've gotten political. And it cracks me up because that couldn't be further from the truth. Politics have always been a part of music and TV and sports and athletics. Always. You don't have to like it. I'm not telling you you have to be okay with it. Sometimes I think sports would be better if they just played the games. But I think sports and TV and music play an important role in political discussions in our country. After all, why shouldn't an athlete or a musician or an actor get to have an opinion? I don't think their opinion should mean more than anyone else's opinion, but they have a platform. They have resources to make change. Why not? They should be involved, right? You don't have to like it, but to say that this is new to 2020 is absolutely ridiculous. Let me share with you some examples. I was laughing out loud at my cell phone last week because I follow a Tom Morello on Twitter and on Instagram. If you don't know who that is, he played guitar for Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave. Very innovative. He does some wacky stuff on guitar. It's really cool. And he played mostly with Rage Against the Machine. That's how most people know him. And he's getting dragged. People are, people are going at him on Twitter and on Instagram because you're getting too political. Tom, I used to love your music, but now I, I can't stand your politics. I'm out. I'm no longer a fan. Which is hilarious, because if you're familiar with the music of Rage Against the Machine, you know that all it is is politics. I went to Spotify today, and I went to Rage Against the Machine's page, and I clicked on their second most streamed song. The first is Killing in the Name, but it's really explicit, so I thought, why not use a cleaner example, their second one. Bulls on Parade. It has over 172 million streams. It came out in 1996. It's 24 years old. I want to share with you just a couple quick sound bites. This is number one. This is the main hook of this song. It's Bulls on Parade. People are mad because now, in 2020, Tom Morello is getting too political. This is 24 years old. Right. 
That's as political as political gets. Like, you hear the lyrics? Rally around the family, pocket full of shells. Yeah, they hate Republicans. They think it's dumb that Republicans preach family values, be in the party of God and and Christian American values, but they like guns. They like bullets. They like assault rifles. That's 24 years old. And I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but that's their view on the Republican Party, and they shared it all the time. This is another lyric from the same song. 24 years old, not new, not a millennial thing. Now, it's difficult to make out. I'm going to read you those lyrics. Weapons, not food, not homes, not shoes, just need, just feed the war, cannibal, animal, I. I walk the corner to the rubble that used to be a library, line up to the mind cemetery. They're saying, hey, all we do is spend money on war. We don't give food to people who are hungry. We don't give homes to the homeless. We don't give shoes to people who need it. All we do is fund the war. That's as political as political gets. It's 24 years old. And in 2020, people are mad because Tom Morello made a political comment. By the way, Tom Morello has a guitar that says, arm the homeless. It literally says words on the guitar, arm the homeless. And we want to pretend like this is a 2020 thing. Lady Antebellum, another musical uh, example, changed their name today. Said we're no longer going to go by Lady Antebellum. We're going to go by Lady A. Because Antebellum refers to the time before the Civil War, which of course included slavery. And NASCAR, yesterday, before Lady Antebellum, said, hey, 2020 is this great opportunity. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's making changes. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to ban the Confederate flag, which is something they probably wanted to do for a while. They were just trying to figure out a way to do it. And 2020 gave them that opportunity. Politics and music and in sports and in movies and TV, that's not new. It's been going on for 50 plus years. If you're a fan of old folk or old country music, think back to 1971, Crosby, Stills, and Nash singing about Ohio, singing about the protests and the killings that went on at Kent State. 1971. And then you had Rage Against the Machine in the 90s, another example which we just checked out, the Dixie Chicks in the early 2000s. Politics and music have always gone hand in hand. Sports, 1968, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raising their fists at the Olympics. Politics in the 60s. And then, of course, you had Kareem, who was Lou Alcindor, became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, bringing religion and politics into sport. You have Muhammad Ali, and then, of course, Colin Kaepernick. Sports and politics, sports and social issues have always gone hand in hand. We seem to think that sports have always been a safe haven. They've been our escape. That's never been the case. Ever. We like, you don't have to like it. I'm not saying that you should accept it. I, sometimes I think sports would be better if we kept politics out of it. It would be simpler. But that's not the way our world works. It's never worked like that. All the way back to the 60s and 70s. It's never been that way. Dave Carney killed it yesterday on the morning show. I was talking to him for our... Uh, we do a segment twice a week. I joined Dave's show, the WKTY morning show uh, on WKTY at 8.20. And I kind of deferred to him on this subject. He asked me about the Confederate flag, and I'll leave you with this. I thought Dave killed it. His comments on NASCAR and the banning of, of the stars and bars. So for purposes of just, you know, information for listeners that don't know, I've got deep, deep, deep family ties to the South. My grandfather is from Alabama. My grandmother from Texas. My other grandfather from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, a town of 700 where only Tyler Hansborough of note has ever come. The deepest south that you can get. Grant, I tell you like this, and I said it earlier, that flag was flown by an enemy insurgency. It has no place to ever be hung, 
flown, shown, or anything. And I would just use this. Knowing history is fine. We don't have to um, pat people on the back for being some of the worst humans that have ever lived. It would be like this for me. How do you think a Nazi flag would fly in Israel? How would that go over? Because that's history. They were part of that country, right? Lots of Jewish people lived in Germany. Do you think they'd be able to fly the Nazi flag in Israel? No. And that's how I feel about the Confederate flag, like that. It's essentially the Nazi flag. And we know what it stands for. And it doesn't stand for history of like, oh, the wall of northern aggression against us, Paul Southerners. No, it stands for you wanted slavery. You wanted to demean and diminish people to a point where you had to pass a three-fifths compromise because they just weren't real humans. But you sure wanted the correct representation in the House, didn't you? The capitulation that we have made to the South since Reconstruction has been some of the sickening after effects of what that civil war was. And I said this earlier, Greg, because I got to let you off. One out of two American soldiers that have ever died, essentially, in a war for America died in the civil war. We really need to keep flying that flag. I mean, like, don't forget history, because if you forget, you're doomed to repeat it. But we sure don't need to propagate it and to showcase it in such a, a very warm and glowing way, like statues of Mr. Lee, who, by the way, one of our listeners knows exactly this. After the war, they said, well, at least... You know, Lee did. We shouldn't put up any statues of the Confederacy. It's only going to make things worse. He was right. Everybody else didn't listen. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Going to talk a lot of Brewers baseball today. We're going to be joined by Adam McAlvey, the Brewers.com beat reporter. Coming up here in about 10 minutes, we got the draft going on. We can talk about the state of Major League Baseball. And Adam just put out a book about a month ago. And I want to talk to him about that, too, because, I mean, we're looking for ways to fill time on this show. Let's let's get a book club going. Let's get Adam's book, and we'll read it together, and we'll talk about it. So a lot to discuss with Adam McAlvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com. That conversation coming up in about 10 minutes on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. We've talked so much about Major League Baseball and about Rob Manfred Tony Clark and Scott Boris and labor negotiations and season length and prorated salaries and pro rata salaries. It sucks. I hate it. But but this is the Wisco Sports Show and we are Brewers fans. I wish we could just talk about the Brewers. I wish you could talk about games and the starting rotation and the bullpen and Craig Council. Let's have a conversation or let's try to have a conversation today about the Brewers that isn't so much about Rob Manfred or Tony Clark. Let's talk about the Brewers draft. The first round was last night. The second round is in progress, the Brewers already picked. I want to focus mostly on their first round pick. If Adam wants to get into the first and second round picks coming up in 10 minutes, I absolutely will get into it. I want to st- talk about last night, or I want to start with last night. My experience with Major League Baseball draft has has been very consistent throughout my entire life. Forget it's on. Don't remember that it happened. And then I wake up the next morning, and I turn on Bill Michaels, and Bill Michaels leads with it. And it always goes along these lines. And Bill Michaels is in town yesterday. And we love him to death. We love his show. You hear it every day, 11 to 2. This is my best Bill Michaels impression. This is how the MLB draft is covered every year. And I don't blame Bill whatsoever because nobody really thinks about it that much. This is how the show would start every morning. It would be a Thursday morning after the first night of the draft. <clears throat> so last night, your Milwaukee Brewers took, uh, took Cor- Corey Ray. Corey Ray out of the University of, uh, of Louisville. This is the Brewers' first round pick. He, uh, he slashed his senior season, slash 320, uh, 400. And 480. And you know what? He stole a dozen bases to go with it. So, uh, yep, there, there you go. There's your Brewers' uh, first-round pick, Corey Ray. Now, that being said, the three biggest positions of need 
for the Green Bay Packers going into 2020. 608-796-255. You get the point, right? It's a footnote. Brewers drafted this guy in the first round. Hey, if he's good, we'll see him in four years. Which, of course, by that time, we will have forgotten all about this conversation. That's how it goes every year. We're like, oh, cool. They drafted they drafted Corey Ray, Cody Medeiros. Yeah. Well, best case scenario, we'll talk about him again in four years. The draft this year is slightly different. It's five rounds instead of 40. It's a little bit of a head scratcher. Teams after that fifth round can sign an unlimited amount of what equate to undrafted free agents, but in a normal draft, these players would be drafted as well. A signing bonus capped at $20,000. Players in round six through 10 in this format get completely screwed. Get completely screwed. You might be saying, Grant, all right, coronavirus is going on. Leagues have to make precautions, adjustments, go online, go digital. That's what the NFL did, right? And it went really, really well. You might be asking yourself, why does four rounds instead of 40 help combat coronavirus? Why, why would that matter? Well, you're exactly right. You're very astute for asking that question. It doesn't. It doesn't combat coronavirus at all. It's about money. It's about money 100%. And I said players who would, who would have gotten drafted in round 6 through 10, not this year though because there's only five rounds, those players that would have gotten drafted in round 6 through 10 are getting hosed because those are players who typically have a signing bonus of around $125,000. MLB said, hey, we'll just eliminate those rounds and we'll eliminate that cost. I was talking with David Gasper of Reviewing the Brew uh, yesterday. I was texting him last night. He joined the show on Tuesday. I hit him up for for advice and for clarification all the time. The top sixth rounder last year, the first player took in the sixth round last year, had a signing bonus of $300,000 in his hand before he ever put on a uniform, three hundred dollars And in the year 2020, he will get $20,000. $20,000. That's a difference of $280,000. That's a difference of half a million. So if 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 you're thinking, man, how, why did they redesign the draft? This doesn't fix coronavirus. No, it doesn't. It fixes the money problem. Throughout this whole process of the owners going at it with the players, trying to figure out a price and, a, and an amount of games to return to play, I've probably been more pro-owner than anybody else. I'm not pro-owner by any stretch. But on the show, I, I, I like to recognize both sides. I cheer for the players. I watch the players. So I want the players to get paid. But I also recognize the players and the owners, excuse me, the owner's responsibility to pay their employees and pay their minor leaguers and handle their business, take care of their own. The problem is owners aren't doing that. The owners don't want to pay the major leaguers as it's become very clear now through weeks of negotiation. They don't want to pay their minor leaguers. Minor league baseball is getting gutted as are the stadium employees, the staff, the management, everything that goes into minor league baseball. They don't want to pay their minor leaguers, their major leaguers. They don't want to pay their stadium employees as teams are furloughing employees all over the place. And the players of all people are stepping up to help these people out. And now they don't even want to pay the draftees. David Gasper, when I talked to him last night, said something awesome. He said, the owners want to privatize their gains and socialize their losses. Meaning when things are good, things are good. And it's all us. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll take the money. We don't need to open the books. We don't need revenue sharing. We don't need anything. But when they're losing money and things are tough, oh, now it's time for socialism. Now it's time to to come together. You know what's funny is today Diamondback's owner came out and said, we need a salary cap and revenue sharing. It's like, well, where have you been for the last 20 years? 
when baseball's been raking money in hand over fist, and because there's no revenue sharing and because there's no salary cap, there is a massive imbalance in the level of competition because the Brewers can't pay the money to keep CC Sabathia that the Yankees can pay to CC Sabathia. You have payrolls. The, the discrepancy is so large between a payroll of the Milwaukee Brewers or the Kansas City Royals compared to the Yankees and the Dodgers that you're basically playing two different sports. The, 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 the general manager of the Brewers and the general manager of the Yankees are playing two different rules by two separate, separate sports, basically. And now that things are bad, well, let's, let's get some socialistic ideas in here. It's ridiculous. It's so disappointing because all these draftees are losing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, to talk about the draft before we are joined by Adam McCalvey, the Brewers took a left-handed outfielder last night, another outfielder, go figure. Uh, his name's Garrett Mitchell. He went to school at UCLA and very on brand with David Stern's type, right? We talk about Brian Gutekinds, how he has a type, Mike Pettin, how they have a type. Outside linebacker and defensive line is a great example. They want big bodies who can line up inside and outside. They, they do more than one thing. That's why they got rid of Mike Daniels. Said, I want Zadarius Smith. He can move around. Right? I want Dean Lauer. He can move around. They're not just run stuffers. They have a type. Well, David Stearns has a type too. He really likes outfielders that are basically good at everything. In, in reading about this player, I, he, they mentioned his speed. Uh, the Brewer scout Todd Johnson referred to his speed as an 80, which is the top of the scouting scale, as I have come to understand. He's a top defensive center fielder. He can cover a lot of ground. And I saw no hesitance from any scout or any writer to believe that he can't play center field at the major league level. And you know what I keep seeing? I see the word athlete being thrown around. Athlete, athlete, athlete. John Savage, the head coach at UCLA, said he's the best athlete we've ever had at any position. Just an athlete. Todd Johnson, Brewer Scout, said he's an electric athlete. And while there's a little bit of hesitance, he doesn't exactly hit a lot of home runs. They believe the power is there, too. This is what Johnson said, Brewer Scout. He's an electric athlete. There's a lot of power in there, actually. His raw power is really good. That's still probably his area to improve. I know he wants to get better at it, his ability to drive the ball with power. We think it's in there. Then you're talking about a five-tool player at that point. That's what we see him in. Obviously, he'll put in the work as well. We know the work ethic really well, which is it's just, you know, scout general manager speak. We see all the tools. We see everything. Athlete, speed, can do multiple things. That's David Stearns, right? That was Corey Ray a couple of years ago. That was Trent Grisham a couple of years ago. That's, that's who they like. That's who David Stearns like. Very on brand. I want to get Adam McAlvey's thoughts Brewers.com, MLB.com. I want to get his thoughts on the Brewers draft. I want to get his thoughts on the Brewers and Major League Baseball. And he's got a book out. And I think this book might be exactly what Brewers fans and baseball fans need. In 2020, when we got a pandemic, we got no sports. We got labor unrest between ball clubs. It's just a stressful time to be alive. His book is about the first 50 seasons of Brewers baseball. It's commemorating the first 50 seasons. So I want to get his thoughts. And maybe he'll give us a story or two. Um, and maybe we'll just start a book club on the Wisco Sports Show. We'll get we'll get McAlvey's book and we'll just read it as a, as a show. And every week we'll we'll talk about it for 15 minutes. That's coming up next. Adam McAlvey of MLB.com and Brewers.com joins us next on the Wisco Sports Show. Stay right here. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you hanging out. Talking Wisconsin sports. Well, a little bit of a bummer. We were expected to be joined by Adam McCalvey, who covers the team for the, the team. Brewers.com. That's where you can find his work and MLB.com as well. But, and this is the problem with having important guests. Uh, he's actually on a Zoom call right now with the Brewers draft picks. 
uh, Freddie Zamora, the second round pick, the 53rd selection of the draft. The Brewers took a shortstop uh, from the University of Miami. Defensive beast. We'll see about the bat. You're right. Stop me if you've heard that before. Right. Orlando Arcia, Alcides Escobar. Defensive shortstop. Got to keep him in the system. Got to keep the system full. So that's the Brewers second round pick. And I believe uh, Adam McAlvey on a Zoom call with that play right now. See, that's the problem with getting important guests. You got to get guests that are pretty important, but not too important to the point where they could have something come up. That's the problem. So hopefully we'll talk to Adam soon. Maybe next week we can chat with him uh, because I'd love to get his thoughts on Brewers baseball and MLB and, and the draft. We can talk about the draft in its entirety, hopefully before too long with Adam. So here's what I want to do because now we got 10 free minutes. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. If you want to share your thoughts on the MLB draft, about the Brewers, about their draft picks, go to town. I'd love to have a conversation because now we have some time. Uh, Steve shot me a text over the commercial break, and Steve, you made me laugh out loud. He said, I've all but given up on baseball. By the time they're done arguing over money, they might need a draft for fans, not players, which that's, you know what? That's the best moment of the show. And and I and I appreciate you, Steve. I quoted Rage Against the Machine in the first segment if you missed it. Like, this has been an A-plus show so far. I, I think, Steve, I think that comment takes the cake. So instead of talking to Adam McAlvey, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I was going to ask Adam, and I can work on my interviewing skills. You can tell me how I'm doing. Because I did have a couple questions I, I, I wanted to ask him. I have them specifically written out, which normally I don't do. But when I have a guest for the first time, and Adam's never joined the show before, I like to prepare a little bit more, have my ducks in a row, uh, just so it's, I don't know, just so it's not boring, just so it doesn't seem like I'm unprepared. So here, this is what I was going to ask. You can tell me, you can rank me, rate me on how I'm doing as an interviewer, even without a guest. So this is how I was going to start. So Adam, I, uh, I barely touched the draft last night. I saw the news this morning, read your article and, and read up on, uh, on the Brewers first round pick. This seems like a, like a David Stearns pick, right? Pretty good at everything. Very athletic. Is that an oversimplification, Adam? Or do I, do I have everything right? How was that? Was that pretty good? I I didn't stutter. I had a very concise, clear end of my question. That's important because you don't want a guest to to wonder if he's supposed to go because we're on the phone, right? You can't look the dude in the eye. So I I think that was good. Adam, did I oversimplify that? There, he knows when to go. I think that's an A plus question. But then again, I wrote it, so I'm a little bit biased. That's what I was going to ask him first. Then I was gonna I, I was gonna continue, uh, and I was gonna name drop our good friend David Gasper. I was gonna say, so Adam, I went to school here in Lacrosse with David Gasper. Of course, you know him. Uh, he does great work for reviewing the brew. You guys do work together. I talked with him this week, and 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 he said Mitchell, the Brewers' first round pick, was one of the few players that he didn't preview or write about at all. So I, I got a sense that maybe most Brewer people didn't expect Mitchell to be there on the board at twenty. Do you share that belief? Okay, okay, come on, I'm on fire, and it sucks that McAlvey's not on the phone because this might be the best interview. This might be the best interview I've ever done. These are good questions. These are good questions. I, and by the way, I didn't see. Mitchell's name being floated around a lot out there. I, I'm obviously checking WKTYsports.com because our news department is always sharing the best Brewers coverage. I go to reviewing the brew. I'm always on The Athletic. We talked to Will Salmon last week. Garrett Mitchell is not a name I saw thrown around very often. I don't know if many people expected him to be there at 20 or many people expected the Brewers to take him. Now, that's not me as a Brewers fan trying to, to spin this and say the Brewers got the steal of the draft and, and nobody expected him to be there. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I get the sense that not a lot of people thought that he would be there at pick number 20. So as this draft goes on and, and, and concludes in the coming days, well, actually, the rest of the draft is tonight because it's only five rounds. 
but as we move forward, it's it'll be something interesting to to wonder because I don't think a lot of people expected Mitchell to be there at pick number 20. So I was going to ask Adam about that. And if this Zoom wraps up in time, maybe we can talk to him uh, before the show is over. Then I was going to get it. This is what we were going to do. Adam wanted to promote his book. So I, I went and I researched the book ahead of time. And instead of, instead of Adam explaining this book to you, uh, I'll just read you the description and I'll, I'll get some, like, some music in the, in the background here. I'm testing my skills as an interview. I'm asking questions to a guest that we, we're not talking to. So this is Adam's book. The Milwaukee Brewers at 50. Age 50. This is what the cover says. It said, celebrating a half century of Brewers baseball. Introduction by Bud Selig and Mark Atanasio. Forward by Robin Yount. And written by Adam McCalvey. This is the description. The official commemorative book tells the stories behind all the iconic moments, the legendary players and coaches, and so much more. Featuring hundreds of stunning photographs and insightful writing from team reporter Adam McCalvey, this is a deluxe, essential celebration of Brewers baseball, from the field to the clubhouse and beyond. So there you go. Add the music in for dramatic effect because it's just a it's just a description off Amazon. It's not like it's anything. It's not like anything I came up with. So yeah, Adam Adam's got a book out, and what I wanted to talk to Adam about, and and maybe I'll try to hit him up before the end of the show for our final segment if he's if he's got a moment. But I think this book could actually be something that Brewers fans would really love right now. Even if you're not into books or you're not into commemorative books, or you're not into sports books. Maybe you're not a reader at all. I it might be nice right now, and it might be something that I'm gonna have to get. Because we're all craving Brewers baseball right now. And and we're spending our time complaining about owners and players and Major League Baseball. And it's almost as though we've separated and compartmentalized the Brewers and Major League Baseball. We've made them two separate entities. We miss the Brewers, right? We're fed up with Major League Baseball right now. But I'd watch the Brewers. If they started tonight, I'd be tuned in. You bet. So I think this book might be good, might be good for Brewers fans. And it might be just what we need right now. Let's, let's do this. Let's take an early break. I'm going to try to get connected with Adam McCalvey, who wrote the Milwaukee Brewers at 50, who covers the team for MLB.com and Brewers.com. Maybe he's off the Zoom call. He just chatted with um, with Freddie Zamore, the new Brewers shortstop, and uh, the second round pick for the Milwaukee Brewers. So maybe we can get connected. If not, we'll talk Packers. Either way, we're wrapping up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Really, really quickly, I forgot. I got to remind you, go to our website, WKTYsports.com. And before tomorrow, get a picture submitted in your favorite Wisconsin sports gear because we have this awesome giveaway going on with Howie's on the cross street and with Trempolo Mountain. You get free rounds of golf with cart and then 50 bucks to spend on burgers and beers after your rounds at Howie's. And all you got to do is submit a picture. So go get it done, WKTYsports.com. I want to remind you because Dave's picking a winner tomorrow morning, uh, and we'll pick one more winner next week. So get entered. Uh, it's a great prize, and it's it's so easy. Just snap a pick and get it submitted. Now, without further ado, Adam McCalvey now joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. Adam, I've heard you once or twice on the Bill Michaels Show and, and on other stations as well. You write for Brewers.com and MLB.com, and while you were Zooming with the newest member of the Brewers, I actually shared with my listeners the questions I was going to ask you. So I already did a dry run-through of these questions, so they should be good. Let's let's start with the first-round pick from last night. I, it kind of seems like every other David Stearns outfielder that's been taken, kind of good at everything, very athletic, athlete. That's the word I keep seeing. Is that an oversimplification? Like, what what's behind the pick of, of Garrett Mitchell? 
Yeah, look, I mean, this is a very analytically driven team in terms of picking big league players, and that extends to the draft. Uh, In 2016, they hired Todd Johnson, the scouting director. His background is in Silicon Valley. So they feel like they were well-positioned, not that they ever expected to do a draft that's sort of, you know, the Zoom draft. Um, But the Brewers felt like they had some tools to make good selections, even if, uh, you know, the -the on-the-ground scouting system was shut down. Um, And I think Garrett Mitchell, their first pick out of UCLA, is uh, kind of reflective of that. He's a a left-handed hitter, a fantastic athlete, uh, you know, a a top-rated runner. I mean, you, you look at the tools on paper and you, I, I mean, this guy is not Christian Yelich, right? But it's like the, you can see the, the tools and, and the list of things that the Brewers like about Christian Yelich, and perhaps they see some of those same things in, in this player who has a long way to go to get to where Christian Yelich is. Um, so it's, uh, it's an intriguing pick. Uh, seems like a great makeup kid. Um, he's TikTok famous, so the Brewers social media people like that. Yeah. Um, and he's got, you know, looks like a lot of things going for him. Now the question is, where does he go? They don't have any place to send these players, and they're trying to figure that out right now. Yeah, the draft. I was trying to wrap my mind around the way that the draft was reformatted and, and all the changes that one made, and, and I was trying to figure out how cutting down on the rounds combats coronavirus, and then I just kind of realized, oh, it's about money. That's what it's about when you yeah. get into the signing bonuses and stuff like that. So that started to make sense. I went to school here in lacrosse uh, with David Gasper, who joined the show on Tuesday, and, and I hit him up for clarification on stuff all the time. And I brought him up like four or five times during the show already, so my listeners are probably sick of hearing about him. But I, I talked to him last night, and his work at Reviewing the Brew, this is one dude they didn't cover. They didn't write about him. One of the few players they didn't preview. I, I got a sense from David and, and from a couple other people on Twitter that not a lot of people expected the Brewers to, to be able to take this guy. I, I don't know if that means he fell in the draft. I don't know how the MLB draft works compared to NFL or NBA, but the sense I get is not a lot of people expected him to be available for the Brewers. So how did that come to be at pick number 20? Yeah, well, look, Todd Johnson said that it is a player that they would not have been surprised to see him drafted higher. I mean, I would guess if we go back and listen to our conversation after the first round that we've um, you know, had with Todd Johnson, that probably often gets said. They're always thrilled that their guy fell to them at their position. Yep. Um, they're always going to pick a player they like. And, look, the baseball draft is so much more difficult to predict than the NBA and NFL draft just because those players are so much closer to performing in prime time. And in baseball, it's this long process of development. You're talking about players from all over the country at, at so many different levels. And that makes it very different from those other sports as well. You're talking about everything from, you know, I think of Mark Rogers always, a high school kid from Maine drafted by the Brewers in the first round, to Ryan Braun, an infielder at a big-time program at Miami. Um, How do you compare those two players? And yet they both are first-round picks of the Brewers. And it makes this an incredibly difficult uh, draft to predict and really even difficult for the teams to, you know, there's no sure things in this major league draft. And, you draft based on tools, and now, again, more and more, they're drafting based on a lot of the same data that uh, we have on players in the big leagues. Exit velocity, launch angle, um, you know, really detailed information about pitching metrics. They have all this information now on all these players, and not just from Pac-12 schools or uh, big-time programs. Um, you know, we're talking about even in the high school ranks, they're getting some of this data. And all of that is going into the systems that teams develop to try to 
um, add a little more science to the art of drafting. It's always going to be something of an art, but I think they're trying to make it more data-driven. And, and the Brewers, again, believe that they are one of the teams at the forefront of that. Yeah, well, the, the baseball draft is difficult to wrap your mind around, like basketball or the NFL. Now, we watch those players in college. Baseball is a little bit more difficult. But, you know, just to, to prepare to talk about the Major League Draft, like, I got to do a lot of – I got to read a ton where I, I can yeah. go about it more casually with basketball and, 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 and football. And, obviously, some of your work at, at Brewers.com and for MLB.com is, have really helped with that. Adam McAlvey joining us now on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. Adam, let, let's talk about your book. I think so many of my listeners want to talk about the Brewers, and they want to be done talking about the MLB. Like, we've been talking about Manfred and Tony Clark <laughs> and Scott Boris. Like, we want to talk about Craig Council and Yelich and, and Corey Knable coming back. I, I think your book that came out in May about the first 50 seasons of the Milwaukee Brewers, I think it could actually be just what we're needing right now. I think the timing of this book might be perfect. Um, do, you have, do you have any fascinating stories or conversations you had that maybe you didn't expect when you were putting this book together? Well, look, there's, there's, you know, a lot of favorite moments of putting it together. And I, what I would say in the big picture, first of all, is, yeah, you know, we haven't had any live sports to watch. So all of us have kind of been relying in some ways on the history of these games that we love to get us through right now. So I, I'm not, I, I keep has, catching myself saying anything is like the good part about this because there's no good part about this. Mm-hmm. People are in, you know, bad financial straits. People are, in some cases, losing loved ones. This is all terrible. But, you know, it is a time for, for sports fans to sort of look back. And for the Brewers, it happens to coincide with, you know, April 1st, 1970, the day that officially they get a telegram from the American League saying that the Seattle Pilots can be, uh, sold to Milwaukee and become the Brewers and the birth of, a, of um, you know, baseball in, in Milwaukee, the return of baseball to Milwaukee. Um, so I, I had very many favorite conversations for this. I mean, Robin Young came by for a couple of hours in spring training um, a few springs ago and was, you know, you catch someone in a great mood and a storytelling mood, and that's where Robin was that day. Just so much stuff that is going to have to be in the next book because it didn't even all fit into this one. Um, and then I would say from a more recent period of time, I was able to go down to Chicago and the Yankees came to town on a day CC Sabathia wasn't pitching and caught up with CC. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, at that point, it had been 11 years since he had been in Milwaukee. And it's crazy how the time flies. But it was really interesting to look back with him on um, – how he felt such a part of that team and still feels like a part of Milwaukee, even though he was there for just three months or whatever it was. Um, something about that situation just worked, and it was something he really enjoyed. And, you know, it was really interesting to hear him talk about, he, because he heard the criticism of the Brewers sort of, you know, riding him real hard down the stretch and the stuff three days rest, start after start. Yeah. And C.C. Sebastian said once and for all that that was him. He went into Dale Swain's office at the end of that season going to that final game and said, I'm pitching this game. And, you know, there was nothing CC said that was going to stop him from pitching that game. And his agent was upset, but so be it. So he was going to, he was going to take the ball for the team. And of course, everyone knows the outcome. He pitches a complete game and Ryan Braun hits the homer and they snap a 26 year postseason drop. That's gotta be, if not the best moment in Miller park history, it's, it's up there. You know, the Niger Morgan hit yeah. in 2011, some of the other stuff, but, um, that game that day was something really special, and to revisit that was was really cool. And there's a lot of that stuff in the book. 
Yeah, Adam, it's it's interesting how you mentioned, like, I wouldn't say the, the good part of sports shutting down, but maybe a, a silver lining or an optimistic way to look at it is we've had a chance to go back and enjoy older games. I had Will Salmon, uh, your colleague on the Brewers Beat from The Athletic on the show last week, and, and he said he, he didn't grow up as a Brewer fan, right? He's not a Brewer fan yeah. uh, like, I, like I understand you are, right? I read that correctly. I wanted to make sure I had that right. You grew up, you were, are a Brewer fan, correct? I did, yeah. But, okay. You know, and you kind of get neutered of that when you start covering the team. But you know, as a kid, I was in the Pepsi fan club and that Nolan Ryan's 300th win and all the other stuff that uh, Brewers fans talk about. Yeah, and Will was was talking and, and saying that this break is an opportunity for him, who grew up, I think he said, in New York and was a college football reporter first. It's given him an opportunity to go back and and learn some of this history and watch some of these old games as a Brewer fan. And and I'm sure this all plays into your book, the Brewers. Uh, at 50, the the commemorative uh, book commemorating 50 seasons. I, I'm sure you were reminded of 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 Brewers moments and and of your Brewers fandom. Do you have a favorite moment or a favorite player? We got about two minutes left. I wanted to ask you because I've I, I was born in 1998, so those 80s teams are, are are before my time, and and I barely remember CC, but I do. Do you have a favorite moment as a Brewers fan? Right aside from them being in the media now. Yeah, I mean, my clearest memory as a kid of Brewers baseball is Easter Sunday, 1987. I was born in 1978, so that was right in the wheelhouse of where I was, you know, totally baseball obsessed at nine years old. Yeah, um, That's definitely my clearest memory. Paul Molitor was always my favorite player as a kid. But one thing that struck me as I've watched these games is baseball is a, is a game where um, you don't have to be Paul Molitor or Ryan Braun or Christian Yelich to be the hero on a given day. Yes. It's a game where the guys at the end of the roster can play as important a role as anybody. And, you know, we get worked up about, you know, that there's not nine Christian Yelich's in the lineup. This past offseason reminds me of that. There was so much angst about the team they were assembling. And then you watch some of these games, and it's like, you know, it, it's not all Molitor and Yow. It, it's some of the players that had, you know, workmanlike careers that can get it done. And I thought that was one of the cool things that it was, was sort of put back in my mind moving forward um, as we sort of thought about the history and then thought about the game moving forward. Yeah, well, Orlando Arcia in, in game 163 a couple years ago Great example. Is, is a perfect and, recent example of that. And the ultimate example, of course, for the Brewers is Nigel Morgan, the last player picked up by Doug Melvin at the end of spring training, a total flyer. Um, he kind of has this special magical season. He irritates the St. Louis Cardinals probably woke up the Cardinals and won them a world, helped win them a World Series in yeah. a roundabout way. Uh, but, but he gets that hit, and, you know, that, that Niger Morgan single up the middle is just as big as Cecil Cooper waving a base hit to the grass in left field in 1982. Um, and, you know, players on different ends of the spectrum in terms of star power in Brewers franchise history, but they both have similarly huge moments. Yeah, Adam, I, you know what? I, I wish we would have wrapped up this interview one question earlier because I was kind of getting over the idea of not having baseball at least for a while, and now I, now I miss <laughs> it again. So, I, man, I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you working around that Zoom call. You have a lot of important people to talk to, and, and I'm glad we fit this in, Adam. I hope we can talk again soon, and I hope we get back to, to watching Brewers games. I appreciate you, Adam. Yep, I hope people enjoy it. And, and Grant, if, they want, if people want to buy the book, for Father's Day, they're doing a sale right now if you go on the Triumph Books website. You just put in the code BREW30 and you get 30% off, which is a decent deal. And I think they can, you know, at this point, there's plenty of time to get it there for Father's Day. So 
If anyone wants a little taste of history, there's lots of photos. You don't have to worry about my writing getting in the way. Lots of good <laughs> photos from uh, from from the, all these these first fifty seasons. Man, we don't have sports to talk. I'm going to start a book club, and we're going to kill fifteen minutes a week reading <laughs> reading and going through your book, Adam. <laughs> Be well, and hope hope to get you back covering games, Adam. Thank you again. All right, Grant. Thanks. You got it, Adam McCalvey, MLBBrewers.com and MLB.com. That's see, he made me miss baseball. Now that's. That was the one thing I didn't expect. I've I've gotten over the idea of maybe not having baseball, and you know what? That comment about anybody can step up and be the guy. Orlando Arcia and Nigel Morgan. That is what makes baseball awesome. And Adam, you know what? You're a you're a hell of a salesman. I'm gonna have to get your book. And and now I miss baseball again. Check out the full podcast of the Wisco Sports Show, WK, uh, WKTYSports.com, and on our mobile app. We'll be back to talk about Packers tomorrow because there's something I still want to hit. We didn't get a chance to get to today. So same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.